Welcome to your Lot and Parcel podcast. Our mission is to emphasize the importance of preserving historic landmarks for future generations, mental health, physical well-being, and a safe family home environment. We value your monetary support. Here's your host, Benjamin F. Diaz. My guest says that there is no excuse for allowing a 60% increase in the number of people suffering from dementia, especially when this is postponable, perhaps even preventable through a handful of common-sense steps and actions. He authored the book, Better Decisions, Better Thinking, Better Outcomes. And here he is to tell us more on this topic, Steve Howard. It's an absolute pleasure, Stephen, to have you on my show today. I, I think what you have to say is very important. And... Before we get into our topic, however, tell us uh, a little bit about you, your background, and I understand you are a prolific writer. In fact, it's very impressive. <laughs> and you can tell us a little bit about that, too, if you would, Stephen. Well, thank you, Benjamin. That's very kind of you. Yeah, I guess a little bit prolific. I've uh, published 22 <laughs> books, um, mm-hmm. all nonfiction, and I help other authors publish their books. So I probably have bought I don't know, somewhere close to 35 books into the world, uh, either as an author or as a midwife. Um, <laughs> but my background is uh, is also sort of interesting. I grew up in Las Vegas, uh-huh. uh, right, right to college, right to university, was recruited by Texas Instruments in Dallas, and they moved me to Dallas. And then in their wisdom, after three years, they moved me to Singapore. And I ended up living in Asia for 21 years, oh worked for three other multinational organizations before I started mm-hmm. my own business. Then I moved to Australia, lived outside Melbourne in the countryside of Australia for 12 years uh, so I could run my Asian business. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, pretty close to the same time zones. Flights weren't so bad as they are from California to Asia. And uh, then I, I moved back to the United States. Oh, geez, it must be about 10 years ago now. Mm. Pretty close. Uh, my dad had some health issues. I sure. became his primary health giver and looked after him before he passed on. So, yeah, mm. so I spent most of my adult life living outside the United States, even though I still have that nice little blue passport that I travel with. <laughs> and currently you are in Mexico City, I understand. I am in Mexico City. I sort of divide my time between Southern yeah. California and Mexico City, although I'm spending more and more time in Mexico City these days. I think that's going to be my new home. Interesting. Well, good for you. That's all right. Thank you. Now, you uh, authored a book entitled Better Decisions, Better Thinking, Better Outcomes. That is your latest book? Uh, there's actually one after that. Uh, ah, okay. One after that is called Humany Leadership. I created the word H-U-M. O-N-Y, combining human, humanity, and harmony uh, to talk about being people-centric leaders. But I think because this is Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, we want to talk about the other book, the Better Decisions, Better Thinking book. Very good. Your title does intrigue me a little bit. To me, it's not quite the natural process of thinking, better decisions and better thinking. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I'm happy to. Thank you. you know, the reason for the title is 
the first decision we have to make when facing decisions is not to get emotionally hijacked. We want to be able to respond, not react to people, events, situations, but too often we don't do that, particularly in the business place, but even our personal lives. And, you know, in the world we have today, you know, we constantly reading stories about, you know, road rage, fights on airplanes, fights in Dodger Stadium. I mean, it's just crazy. Everyone is reacting to each other. Mm -hmm. And so the first decision, the better decision is to slow down and say, I know I'm being emotionally stressed. I'm, I know I have anxiety. I know I'm being emotionally hijacked. Let me get myself under control. Then I can do better thinking and then I'll have better outcomes. So that's why the mm. order of the, the book title. Gotcha. Well, it makes sense to me. It starts with you, you know, or with us to yes. decide how we are going to handle, a, well, in fact, any decision. So obviously stress and an overloaded mind does impact decision making can you can you share how it does that it certainly does you know the brain's an interesting part of our body and mm. when the brain gets stressed and and or overloaded what you know could be tired we could be jet lagged sure. uh, we could be anxious about something the brain to keep itself cool automatically goes into what the scientists call binary decision-making mode. So binary meaning two, it tries to limit our options to A or B, black or white, one or two, this or that. In other words, it, it tries to give us only two choices and we freeze. And if we only take one of those two choices, we end up usually with a less than optimal decision, particularly on something major that we have to make a decision on. So again, if we get ourselves under control, we make that better decision to think rationally rather than emotionally, then we do better thinking. Now we start thinking of all the other options that we might have available to us, you know, option C, option D, D1, D2, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And now we can make a more optimal decision and get a better outcome. Mm. Very good. Well, I'm I'm with you on that front. Uh, and in your research, uh, Stephen, uh, did you find that the work environment is a big contributing factor toward our mental health today? Oh, it's a huge factor, and as a matter of fact, it's uh, mm-hmm. even before the pandemic, it was a major factor. This book actually came out just before we went into lockdown in 2020. So, mm-hmm. uh, and the pandemic hasn't helped. Obviously, I mean, everyone has been under prolonged stress because of the lockdown. Worried about family members or friends who might catch COVID or caught COVID or be at risk for it. So, but yeah, the workplace with the drama, the stress, the 24/7, we can't get away from emails. Everyone's got email on their phone now. Our Mm -hmm. bosses are sending us messages on Saturdays and Sundays, uh, you know, interrupting our family life, interrupting our relationships with our our spouses or other loved ones. So Mm -hmm. yeah, the workplace is a huge contributor to stress. And, Mm -hmm. And then stress, quite frankly, is the number one contributor to things like heart disease and and brain disease. Uh, So we're killing ourselves uh, with work effectively. Obviously. And I I have not looked at some of the statistics on on that. Would you have any on on how uh, uh, the problem is? Well, it's becoming a societal problem. So before the pandemic, and when I wrote the book, the research was showing that uh, in the United States, they were projecting a 63% increase in Alzheimer's, dementia, and stroke in 10 years. From 2020 to 2030, a 67% increase. 
which would result in the year 2020, sorry, 2030, that we would have 10 million Americans and 75 million people worldwide affected by Alzheimer's, dementia, or stroke. And, you know, there's really no excuse for that because now the scientists do know that Alzheimer's and dementia are mostly lifestyle diseases. They're not, mm. they're not genetically inherited. There's a small percentage of the population that is. But uh, it's what we do to our bodies in our 30s and our 40s that puts us at the highest risk for dementia and Alzheimer in our 60s and 70s. Interesting. How did you get into um, this research? What, what was the uh, the impetus? Well, as I mentioned, my dad had some health issues. And oh, I, as okay. I, I came back to the U.S. Uh, from when I was living in Australia, I thought I'd come back for six weeks and then it became six months. And oh. then I was his primary caregiver for about the last four years of his life. But he had early onset Alzheimer. And I started what could I do to be a better caregiver? What what should I be doing to try and help him slow down the progression of Alzheimer's? Mm. And I also thought, you know, and I thought quite honestly that it was genetically inherited. And obviously, for selfish reasons, I started researching what's is, is this going to be my future um, when I you know get into my seventies or eighties. And fortunately, as I just mentioned it, I found out it's not. It's a lifestyle disease. And what we there are ways of, of reducing our risk. We don't know how to prevent it yet, uh, but we can reduce our risks for it. And so that was my impetus, uh, partly for my father to be his caregiver. And then, quite frankly, selfishly to think about what, what my brain might look like when I'm sure. 75 or 80 years old. Sure, sure. So the expression when they say, or I'm having a senior moment. It doesn't have to be that way, does it? Obviously. No, no, it's not. I mean, our brains will age no matter what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, But, um, you know, those those can be small lapses and they don't have to become, you know, permanent disabilities, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. In your research, what have you found to be uh, what the the brain for, let's say for a senior citizen uh, in his senior years, is the brain able to, uh, grow or, or go through some uh, neuroplasticity, as they call it. Yes, and that's that is the right word, Benjamin. Um, the, uh, yes, and that was one of the things that shocked me when I did the research because I I remember my biology teacher uh, mm-hmm. when I was in high school, basically telling us that our brain stopped growing around the age of twenty to twenty five, and, and you know thinking about that. And that's probably what people believe, what the scientists believe back then. But now with the MRI type technology, they're able to show that our brains continue to grow well into our 60s and 70s, probably into our 80s and 90s. There just haven't been enough 80-year-olds and 90-year-olds for them to test. But uh, Mm. so, yeah, our brain will continue to grow if we treat it properly. Uh, On the other hand, it will shrink if we don't treat it properly, I mean, research from UCLA Medical Center showed that those who sit the most throughout the day, so people, you know, sit all day on Zoom calls or in conference call meetings or whatever, and then when work is done, sit in front of the TV for several hours, either watching TV or playing video games or whatever, the brain actually shrinks. It will actually get smaller, uh, which is obviously not good for our long-term uh, mental health. Yeah. Well, I, I, in fact, when you said that the, uh, we have had the misconception that the brain stops at 25 at the year, at the age of 25, I always thought that until I, I did uh, some research on what you have been researching, and I didn't know that. I'm sure there are, there are other myths, too. Can you share some? 
Uh, yeah, the uh, some of them were uh, interesting. The um, mm-hmm. uh, you know one of the myths that you know we're either right brained or left brained is is been proven incorrect. We you know we will use one part of our brain more often, but basically we use both parts of the brain constantly. Um, for instance, you, you know you and I here talking right now. Um, yes. My my right part of the brain is hearing your words. But the left part of the brain is interpreting them and putting it into context. So, you know, mm. both hemispheres are are being used at the same time. Uh, that was one. The um, sadly for parents and teachers, um, uh, the brain doesn't stop to grow fully until age 25. So that's part is true is that it, it, it will not reach its full maturity until age 25. Okay. And that's one of the reasons that teenagers make such bad decisions because the, <laughs> the emotional part of the brain yeah. develops first, the back of the brain, the amygdala uh-huh. develops before the prefrontal cortex. And so it, it is, it is, I guess, kind of a true myth that yeah, teenagers, their brains are not fully developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that, that was a, interesting as well to to find that out the other one the last one i'll mention to you because this is the probably one you've you and your audience have heard the most is that we only use 10 percent of our brain power and that <laughs> no the research is yet to find an area of the brain that is completely inactive uh even studies that measure activity at the single neuron level uh have not revealed any inactive parts of the brain so the, you know some parts of the brain will shut down a little bit when we're tired or stressed or you know, we need to sleep but uh, basically we use most of our brains most of the time even when we're asleep so mm-hmm. um, so take that take that 10 percent myth and, and throw it out yeah so what's making the difference and um, is just learning new things uh, uh, new patterns or getting a uh, new rewiring going on is that what uh, makes it will make a difference that is specifically what makes a difference benjamin okay. and one of the things that when i coach people on this i tell them i said look here's a, the uh-huh. brain likes to learn new things mm-hmm. so mix it up when you know uh, if you're you know back in the days when we're driving to work don't everyone takes the same route no mix it up you know one week Take a different route, maybe even if it's five or 10 minutes, a little longer, the brain likes seeing new things and you'll notice things. Uh, oh, there's a, a house that's been painted over here. Oh, this over at the shopping center, there's a new retail outlet. I wasn't aware of that. Mm-hmm. So same thing. If you walk around your neighborhood, if you take you know your afternoon, early evening walks, mix it up a little bit. Or what I do, quite frankly, where I walk, mm-hmm. uh, I was walking for weeks. I was going in one direction. I would walk out the house and turn left. And now I now the last few weeks I've been walking out turning right and it's amazing the different flowers I see the different <laughs> um, things in uh, people's yards that I hadn't noticed before. Um, yeah. It's all out there. So yeah, the brain likes new things. So whatever yeah. you can do to learn um, uh, musical instrument, Sudoku. Now the thing, the key thing for your audience, Benjamin, is sure. that picking one of those, say Sudoku. Um, if you did that or a cross essay crossword puzzle, you did crossword puzzles for three months. All you're doing is getting good at crossword puzzles. After a while, you need to do something else. You need to switch it up. Go go to Sudoku or go go do one of those uh, books where you find the words hidden in the in the um, the sixteen by sixteen matrix or something. Um, mm. But you, if you only do one thing, after a while, you're not you're not generating any new brain cells because it's it's repetitious. That's interesting. I know uh, an older gentleman that and that's what he does in the evening is those uh, puzzles and 
what you're saying. And but uh, I uh, well, I was always thinking that that was helping him uh, because he does have onset yeah. uh, Alzheimer's uh, disease. And uh, but um, interesting. I'll yeah, it'll to. help. It'll help him, but after a while, he should do something different, and then yeah. you know, for three months, then go back to that for three, you know, mm-hmm. just mix it up a little bit. You are listening to your Lot and Parcel podcast. Please tell a friend and support the educational program by leaving us a rating or review. We thank you in advance. My guess is that the financial and the emotional cost of families and caregivers, especially adult children with aging parents, is humongous. And he says that much of it can be avoided. He authored the book, Better Decisions, Better Thinking, Better Outcomes, which contains strategies, tips, and techniques that will help you regain control and avoid unnecessary emotional pain. And you will find the link to his book in the show notes. Let's get back with Steve Howard. So how important in, in your research is mindfulness? And you also talk about med- meditation and, uh, and a good diet. Uh, how important is that? Well, all three are can be very important, huge contributors. Uh, again, mm-hmm. talk about myths. I mean, people think that if you get into mindfulness that you have to meditate or go to a, a six-day silent retreat or sit in the, a lotus <laughs> like, position. Yeah, no, no, right. no. Um, you know, meditation is a formal mindfulness, but you can be mindful just throughout the day just by stopping and pausing and asking yourself, what am I noticing? What am I hearing? What am I doing? What am I focused on? Where, where, where's my brain at right now? And then bring yourself back to, to be very mindful of what you're eating. Um, diet. Yeah, look, look, all these things, to put it in perspective, the brain is the biggest user of blood and oxygen in our body. So anything that's good for the lungs or the heart is going to be good for the brain. So, you know, the same old story, uh, reduce your cholesterol, keep your blood sugar low, uh, don't drink sodas, um, you know, get a little bit of exercise. No one says you need to run a marathon or a half marathon, but don't don't sit around all day either. Don't go go that the other extreme. Get out there 20, 25 minutes of some walking or aerobic activity or, you know, at the gym or, you know, a little bit of strength exercise now. And then all this mixes in. It's good for the lungs. It's good for the heart. And therefore, it's going to be good for the brain. Exactly. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, I think uh, staying away from processed foods uh, mm-hmm. is more of a plant-based diet. Um, you don't have to be entirely in a plant-based diet, but um, whatever's green, whatever's good, the more color on your plate, I think is what's good. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah. There's no question about that. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you, uh, what, I know you, you mentioned you take different uh, uh, directions in your walking. Uh, anything else that you might tell us? About? You, now, right now, you live, you're, you're in Mexico City. Are you learning Spanish? I, I am. How about uh, that? And, yeah. uh, and that's good for, be you. Good for my brain eventually, yeah. uh, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Although it's very frustrating. Uh, um, well, to, um, I, I admire people who are bilingual or trilingual without a doubt. Um, the other thing, Benjamin, this might surprise yes. you or certainly might surprise your audience okay. is 
multitasking is oh. not good for our brains. And but it, in fact, there's a great quote from a woman who heads a medical center in Dallas. And her quote is that multitasking is as bad for the brain as smoking is for the lungs. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So multitasking, I mean, multitasking that's using your brain. I mean, any of us can sit in front of the TV and, and eat a dinner or any of us can, you know, walk and talk on the telephone at the same sure. time. That's not really multitasking, but it, multitasking, cognitive multitasking, where you're right. trying to do two things at one time, you know, like you're listening to, well, your audience now, if they're listening to the podcast and, but they're also trying to respond to email. Well, mm. the brain, the brain's being tired out and it's, 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 you're not doing either one very well. So either listen to the podcast or put it on pause and enter that email and then come back to the podcast. So you need to be focused. Yeah, I can see that because I I have tried multitasking it. it overall. It does suffer what you're doing. You're not quite a hundred percent on each task. No, you're not. Um, yeah. it, you're, you're not efficient at it. And long term, it has some long term health issues for your brain because it's it's um, tiring the brain out. It, it's um, wearing down to the key cognitive aspects of the brain. And we're and what it also is doing is it's teaching us not to focus. Again, somebody listening to the podcast and, and writing something right now. I mean, if mm -hmm. you're walking and listening to the podcast, well, that's not multitasking. That's not cognitive multitasking. Right. But if you're sitting there trying to answer emails or write a report and listen to the podcast, what is happening is that you're teaching your brain not to focus. Mm -hmm. Well, the inability to focus is one of the leading indicators of dementia and Alzheimer's. So we're basically younger generation. I'm worried for our younger generation, the, you know, the 30 to 35, 40 year olds right now who, you know, grow up multitasking and they think it's, it's, they're so good at it. They think they're good at it, but they're, as you just said, they're not fully focused on anything and it's going to have some long-term health issues for them, or at least put them at risk for long-term health issues. Mm -hmm. So what it is we need to do is to create a new uh, predisposition. Is that what we need to do? And the next question is, how do we do that? Uh, we just have to train ourselves. We just have to say, you know, I'm going to work on this. I mean, um, you know, as a consultant, I get involved in lots of different projects. And, mm -hmm. you know, I used to do something like I'd work on one project for 40 minutes and then switch over to another project. What sure. I try and do now to the best of my ability is I, I will block off like three hours just mm -hmm. to focus on one project and then put it away and then go to the next project for the next two or three hours. So I, I, I do the same thing when I'm writing. Now, as I block off three-hour segments, mm -hmm. I get up every hour to make a coffee or get another bottle of water or something. I'm not it's like I'm sitting there for three solid hours. But mm -hmm. what I don't do now is when I go and make that coffee, I don't look at email. I don't look at my text message. I don't do anything that will take my brain away from my writing. And then when I come back, I notice that I'm much better when I sit down transition okay that last paragraph okay now i know where to start this paragraph or i finished a chapter now i know how to segue into this chapter so it used to take me 10 or 15 minutes when i took a break to get refocused on what i was writing mm -hmm. now i find myself getting refocused in anywhere from two to three minutes how about that i i, I that i can relate to that Re that resonates with me because i uh I, when I do things, I do focus, and uh, you mentioned about not answering or looking at your emails and so forth. Mm -hmm. I, I don't do that either. I just get through what I want to do and then then 
move on to other things. That's excellent. You know, I actually put my phone on airplane mode when I'm writing now. So like, <laughs> so because even those little beeps, you know, right. I, I encourage everyone in the audience, it, put your phone next to you sometime and notice your, your physical reaction the <laughs> next time it beeps or buzzes at you. Uh, and it's like, it's the same physical reaction as if a snake had just hissed. You jerk. You 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 turn your body quickly. You look. Oh, you yeah. turn your neck and look at it. Like who is that? And and then you make a decision whether to pick whether to look That's at that right. text message or that That's Instagram right. message or go oh, do what you're doing. So it's it's the same thing we're doing to our body as if somebody put a snake next to us. My gosh. That's a good analogy. Very good analogy. <laughs> I like that. I'll remember that. But uh, yeah, I, I can I, I can relate with that. Uh, so no, you just have to concentrate and focus on what you're doing, and then, like I say, you move on. You, uh, I'm curious. You mentioned you you uh, wrote nonfiction books. Uh, could you share some of the uh, titles or some of the subject matters you have written? Uh, with? Oh, I'm just curious. Sure. sure. I mean, I started writing. My first book was about corporate image management, which is about the corporate brand. When I worked in the, the corporate world, my functional area was yeah. marketing and branding. So it was natural. To, so several mm -hmm. of my first books were about branding. I also did a couple series of quotation books. Living in Asia, I found fascinating with all these quotes. Oh, Asia. Okay. Uh, so okay. I have a book, books called Asian Words of Wisdom, Asian Words of Success. Fascinating. Uh, and but the last few books have been about leadership, and that's where my focus has been gotcha. for uh, probably the last 10, 12 <clears throat> years. And um, I did a quote book called Great Leadership Words of Wisdom, which has like a thousand quotes on leadership from corporate leaders, business leaders, politicians, statesmen, athletes, and coaches, uh, sages, and philosophers. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the book we're talking about, there there was a book, I after this book, The Better Decisions, Better Thinking, Better Outcome, I wrote a book called How Stress and Anxiety Impacts Your Decision-Making. So what I did, that book is for everybody, whereas most of my books have been about the business world or for yeah. leaders and what have you. But the How Stress and Anxiety Impact Your Decision-Making took the basic research that I included in this book, Better better Decisions, Better Thinking, Better Outcomes. And I took all the business aspects out of it, all the business jargon, uh, and I made it really for every individual who you know faces stress, faces anxiety. And it came out during the pandemic, so obviously oh, it, did pretty well. it did pretty well. I got kind of lucky. Yeah, lucky it was there. timely, very timely. Uh, and, um, but yeah, all these books are on Amazon. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, the last book, the other book that if you have a younger audience will interest them, I wrote a book called Eight Keys to Becoming a Great Leader, which is one of the worst titles in the world. It's a very boring title. But the subtitle is Leadership Lessons and Tips from Gibbs, Yoda and Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh. So I took the characters, Gibbs from the NCIS yes. TV show, uh, Yoda, of course, from the Star Wars series, and mm -hmm. our good friend Captain Jack Sparrow, yes. and used their examples in their fictional world and how it applies to what I call these eight keys of being a great mm -hmm. leader. And it's really written for the younger audience, yeah. people, first time manager, first time supervisor. Mm -hmm. It's only 130 pages. So okay. it's not like a, a big thick book. And yeah, people, the younger generation resonates uh, with that book. Yeah. That's been very clever. Very, very yeah. clever. And where can we go to, to reach out to you and, 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 and acquire any of these books that you have and by the way are you self-published 
I do self-publish and that's why I help yeah. other people self. So I pu- I have a publishing imprint as it's called in, in uh, Southern California. And so I, you know, which helps me help other people publish books. Um, <laughs> all my books are available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of them are now including the one we're discussing are, are available in audio book format mm-hmm. for those who like audio books. <laughs> um, if people want to contact me, I'm happy to talk with people about that. They want to learn more about particularly brain health i'm you know because of my dad's situation i'm very passionate about sharing the information sharing resources so i have resources on my website about brain health and and uh, i've on my youtube channel i've got uh, some videos I, I think it's eight five minute videos about brain health about building and maintaining long-term brain health mm-hmm. uh, but yeah you can reach out to me my steven it's a uh, steven with a v and an n so s-t-e-v-e-n at calienteleadership.com now caliente is c-a-l-i-e-n-t-e leadership.com and the reason that's called it some people who know spanish know that caliente means hot Mm -hmm. but the second definition is passionate so a conversation caliente is a passionate conversation so i'm a little bit passionate about leadership and then sharing information. So I named the company Caliente Leadership, but also where I live in the desert in Southern California, the land is owned by the Agua Caliente Band of Indians. So it's Mm -hmm. also my tribute to our Native American landowners. There you um, go. Very good. Yeah. Um, I I did an episode out that your way as to the the date palm. mm, It's very popular there, the date palm. It is. Yeah. 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 Is, is that your also your website, uh, Caliente? Yeah, yeah. Calienteleadership.com is the website. And, okay. and like I said, if people go to the upper right hand corner, there's a tab called resources. And mm-hmm. I have articles I recommend, books I recommend. I've got a blog where I talk about some of this stuff frequently. In fact, today's blog was about building long-term brain health and some resources available to people for that. So yeah, a lot of resources are free and they're all free, all free resources Good. on the website. Well, that's great. Well, that's, uh, that's wonderful. I, I want to thank you for coming on your lot and parcel show. And let me mention this in Spanish to you. Le doy encomio, which means I commend you. Okay? Oh, muchas gracias, uh, señor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I tell you what, you sound you sound good. You sound good. <laughs> well, I think you just hit the extent of my Spanish. There's a couple no, of other things uh, you, like you, I have, but that's there. pretty much the extent of it. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll get there. Just spend enough time there, you'll get there. Tell I me. will. I will indeed. You bet. So, I wish you the very best, Stephen, and uh, thank you again. And uh, you stay well. Thank you, Benjamin, and uh, what, thank you for doing this show. It's a very informative show for your audience. So, on behalf of your audience, I say thank you to you. Thank you for listening. The theme music has been provided by Echo Foxtone. All the opinions expressed in the podcast are opinions only and should not be relied on. We hope you will join us in supporting home and family through your monetary funding. For more information, please visit yourlotandparcel.org.